Hey, Joe. Yes, Torin. You know who Cthulhu is? Uh, he's a great old one. Created by H.P. Lovecraft? Yeah. Then you know there's a Call of Cthulhu role-playing game? I, I am aware of that. We've played it together. Have we? Yeah, you made my guy go crazy and get bacteriophobia. But did you also know about Delta Green? I know a little bit about it, but you should tell me some more. Well, Delta Green revolves around a fictitious secret organization created by the U.S. government following the covert raid on the town of Innsmouth, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. From H.P. Lovecraft's The Shadow Over Innsmouth. Spearheaded by elements of the United States government, its members are dedicated to combat. This is like the A-Team, Q-A-Team music. Its members are dedicated to combating the mind-rending horrors of the Cthulhu mythos. The organization works undercover by contacting and gathering members across the wide range of U.S. government agencies like the FBI, ATF, CDC, and DEA. If you've got a great old one, if you can find them, perhaps you can hire Delta Delta Green. Green. There's a new book out, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy. How do you get this book, Torn? You can get it on uh, Amazon for Kindle. At Barnes & Noble for the Nook. That's where I eat my breakfast. Yeah. That's the, the Barnes & Noble e-reader. Right. And at iBookstore for the iPad and iPhone. But if you order the EPUB version at arcdream.com, that's A-R-C-D-R-E-A-M, and use the coupon code CAUSTIC, you get 20% off. 20%. Fantastic. So digital-only book. This particular novel, Delta Green Denied to the Enemy, is set entirely in World War II, just after the official creation of Delta Green, it follows a Nazi researcher and occultist who has a change of heart the closer he gets to fulfilling his supernatural mission. This is a book, uh, would it be considered in the Lovecraftian vein? It absolutely would. Lovecraft, modern uh, warfare. I love it when an unspeakable amorphous blob comes together. There's people exploding, limbs being blown apart, human sacrifice, fighting, shooting, ESP, dogs and cats living together, strong men losing their minds, horrible immortal monsters that will destroy humanity. So they're going to give you a copy so you can run us through it? It's not a role-playing It's not a role-playing supplement. supplement. This is an actual novel. Oh, this is a Accessible novel. to all. Oh. Yeah. Not just the role-playing nerd. Yeah, I'm getting this book for sure. You fucking better. Yeah. <laughs> It, well, uh, thanks, Art Dream, for coming on board and being the sponsor, the new, latest and greatest sponsor of Caustic Soda. And now, on with our show. Since 1997, 1,100 slaves have been liberated. In Florida. I'm Joe Fulgham. Child camel jockeys. Not as racist or as fun as it sounds. I'm Kevin Leeson. Three privileged white Canadian males talk about slavery this week on Caustic Soda. What is slavery? It's when uh, one person is forced to labor for another for no charge. Treated as When a human being is treated as property. To quote Kevin Bales, author of Disposable People, it's not about lousy marriages. It's not about jobs that suck. This is about people who cannot walk away, people who are forced to work without pay, people who are operating 24-7 under threat of violence. Today, 27 million slaves, many used to destroy the environment, such as cutting down trees in the Amazon, mining, spreading mercury through Africa, destroying coastal ecosystems in South Asia. Today. Today. 27 million slaves. Let's drive that home. He said today. 27 million slaves in 2010. 2011, brother. 2010. It's probably like 28 million now. Uh, Yeah, that's um, more than there have ever been, I believe. By number is what I've heard, yeah. Or as many as there have ever been. But it's probably a smaller percentage of the world population. Yes, that is also true. But interestingly enough, um, in the past, slaves were expensive. Today, they are dirt cheap. The average price for a slave over the past... 4,000 years in today's dollars would be $40,000. And if you were to buy a slave today, the average would be about $90. Wow. You kind of get that in everything in today's society, like, right? You know, anything manufactured is supply and demand. cheaper. There's so many people in the world today. Uh, in the U.S., there are at least 10,000 slaves brought in from other countries for prostitution, agricultural work, uh, domestic work, working in people's houses. They don't speak English. They're terrified of the police because they're told that the police will torture them, and often they don't know where they are. Are, they, are you talking about like undocumented like nannies and housekeepers are counted as slaves now? Yeah, but they're getting they're getting paid just incredibly little. Not necessarily. And if they can't leave, well, hold on a sec. We were defining it as like person who is treated as property and gets no compensation for work. Yeah. Well, yeah, ancient these, slaves these would like, be fed and give a place, given a place to live, and they would get clothes and all that kind of stuff. I guess that's true. 
Yeah, and in some cases medicine, and in some cases education, but not always. It's um, one thing I hate: it's dumb slaves. Oh no, keep your slaves dumb. You think so? Oh yeah, absolutely. They don't, don't mind educating. They don't know how better it is that it is out there. So there are a few different kinds of slavery. All right, lay it on me. Bonded labor or debt bondage, possibly the least known form of labor trafficking today, and is the most widely used method of enslaving people. That's the bit where you say, hey, I'll take you to New York City from Mexico, but the trip is very expensive, so now you're going to owe me $10,000, exactly. and you've got to pay it back to me over time in yeah. prostitution services. Yeah. Mm. The labor is demanded as a means of repayment for a loan or service, right. in which the, usually in which the terms and conditions are not, have not been defined and the value of the victim's services are not assessed in the same way applied toward the liquidation of the debt. And then there's forced labor, in which victims are forced to work against their own will under the threat of violence or some other form of punishment, their freedom is restricted and a degree of ownership is exerted. Forms of forced labor can include domestic servitude, agricultural labor, sweatshop factory labor, janitorial food service, and other service, uh, sorry, and other service industry labor. And then, of course, there is sex trafficking. Uh, victims are generally found in dire circumstances and easily targeted by traffickers. Individual circumstances and situations vulnerable to traffickers include homeless individuals, runaway teens, displaced homemakers, refugees and drug addicts yeah i mean that's the one you hear the most about right because you have mm. like very young girls being abducted and, and desperate like circumstances tv and movies and whatnot that's clearly the most well, amount you know, of no not just tv movies i mean you got the, the movie traffic yeah right i mean that was a big budget movie with big mm -hmm. hollywood stars and that was a pretty major component to that storyline how it touches everybody how the the senator's daughter fell into this situation uh so how does one become a slave Generally speaking, D different ways. I mean, talking about three different types of slavery. Uh, I, I think I posited one of the theories. Yes, it's right. true. Uh -huh. Kevin Bales describes uh, the situation. Someone will come into a village uh, with a pickup truck and say, I've got jobs. Who needs a job? The guy may seem suspicious, but if you're poor and your children are hungry and need medicine, then you, you usually get in the back of the truck mm -hmm. and uh, then you're driven like a couple hundred miles and you find that you can't leave. Yeah. Uh, another scenario, the slave will give actually give the human trafficker their life savings up front for transport costs, as we talked about mm -hmm. uh, bonded labor, to this wonderful new job. And then when they get there, the slave master says, well, it wasn't enough. You'll have to work until it's paid off. And, and then the cycle just continues. And then at some point, they realize, you know, I'm not just working this off. I'm basically i'm a slave yeah because there it becomes that whole company store thing it's like oh i've accrued even more debt because of this and because of that I, you have to pay me for your rent and yep. i'm not making enough money off of whatever you're doing and yeah. Yeah. it becomes an endless cycle right like you know it becomes it's, impossible it's like being a musician who's signed with a major record company <laughs> for you less never, whipping <laughs> you, you never actually make any money from them because everything that they do goes towards your debt that's right that you're paying all the overhead for Kids your... Kids and bands out there don't sign record deals. Just release yourself. The word origin of slave comes from Slav. Yes, the branch of Indo-European peoples living mainly in Central and Eastern Europe. So-called because the many Slavs sold into slavery by conquering peoples. None of those countries like Poland and Slovakia and Hungary, they're always in that area where every invading army yeah. in like Western human history would just like camp out for a couple hundred years. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That's really interesting. I never would have guessed that that was the root origin of slavery, but it makes perfect sense. I also learned a new word in researching this episode, ant antebellum. I've heard that word before, but I don't know what it means. Uh, got anything, Kevin? If you had a, 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 a relative named Bell and she was your aunt. <laughs> uh, good old Auntie Bellum. Yeah, and good she old was Auntie a slave. Bellum. No. Uh, refers to pre-Civil War America, and literally in Latin, antebellum means before the war. Ah. Antebellum America is prior to 1860. Yeah, during slavery, during the time of slavery. Okay. The I like that now. I'm totally putting that in my repertoire. I'm going to put repertoire in my repertoire. <laughs> I'm going to put... Eleutherophobia. If only you could pronounce it. In my <laughs> repertoire. <laughs> yeah. Which is the fear of freedom. Yeah, I don't Fear of freedom. Yeah. Isn't there a fear of slavery? I couldn't find one. Tried really? To, yeah. Tried I guess to they just up. assume everyone's afraid of slavery. Yeah. That's called wisdom. <laughs> yeah. And the fear of work? You have this, don't you? Yeah. Ergo ergophobia or uh, ponophobia. Hmm. P-O-N-O-phobia. So I think kind of the Civil War is something that we could have a whole separate podcast on if we wanted to do that. Pretty much. I would dare say that. And uh, there's certainly no lack of material throughout the course of history, human history on slavery. So maybe we'll just hit a few of the more interesting uh, points. Yeah, it seems that we humans have had slavery as long as we've had history and probably a little bit longer. As long as humans have been alive, I can pretty much guarantee that one guy was making another guy do something for him that he didn't want to do. That's how we get ahead. <laughs> 
Oh, it's terrible. I got something for the about the Aztecs. All right, okay. Yeah. I'm down with the Aztecs. Aztec slavery was personal, not hereditary. A slave's children were free. A slave oh, okay. could That's have, interesting. A slave could have possessions and even own other slaves. All right. Mm-hmm. So you live in a society where you can be enslaved, yep. but then you're not precluded from having your own slave. Right. You think you're a slave and you can't get any lower, but then you're a slave to a slave. When you formalize this enough, it becomes a feudal system. This is like a uh, pyramid scheme because you could tell your slave (laughs) to make his slave do stuff for you. That's right. So then you're like, oh, this is brilliant. You could have a whole like slave tree. Oh, the slave tree. (laughs) Slaves could buy their liberty and slaves could be set free if they were able to show that they had been mistreated or if they had children with or were married to their masters. All right. Uh, Typically upon. So Sally Hemings should have been free. Who's that? She's the slave that Thomas Jefferson had several children with. Oh, I see. Yes, if they were in Aztec society. You know, uh, the the sperm cells shall set you free. Another uh, rather remarkable method for a slave to recover liberty was if at the marketplace a slave could escape the vigilance of their master, run outside the walls of the market, and step on a piece of human excrement, and then present their case to the judge, they would grant freedom. What? That's awesome. So they had to break free from the master, run outside of the marketplace, <laughs> step in a pile of human feces, yeah. and proclaim themselves free, and that's, then a judge would hear their case and probably free them. That's the formula. That's the I, winning formula. I would love to know how they came to this. Like, what was the logic behind it? It, it sounds that? like the crazy things that actors come up with. Yeah, oh, no, no, you mentioned the Scottish play. You're going to have to step outside, turn around three <laughs> times, and spit. It's why we say break a leg, right? No, incorrigible slaves, which is to say... You know, badly behaved slaves. Or slaves who repeatedly try to escape, for instance. They're the worst kind of slaves. Were made to wear a wooden collar affixed by rings at the back. The collar was not merely a symbol of bad conduct. It was designed to make it harder to run away through a crowd or through narrow spaces. (laughs) And a slave who was sold four times as incorrigible could be sold to be sacrificed. It sounds like the Aztecs were really civilized about their slaves. Like the slaves were almost like kind of like half citizens, right? right? You you actually find that in quite a few ancient cultures. Uh, the Greeks were kind of similar. In you don't that want, your the, children could be the, a slave's children could could earn their freedom and become citizens. Yeah, themselves. and the Romans were the same way. Like yeah. uh, conquered peoples became slaves, but you there was a method by which you could become a citizen or unslave yourself. Right. Of that stuff. An Aztec could become a slave as a punishment. A murderer sentenced to death could instead, upon the request upon the request of the wife of his victim be given to her as a slave. Oh, a little eye for an eye. Oh, yeah, I killed of. I killed your husband. Now, now I'm, your slave. I'm your slave instead of being yeah. put to death as a result. You could kind of game that system though. It, she wants her husband gone and wants you and you're <laughs> you kill her and yeah, it was me, but uh, I will offer myself as a slave to you and she goes, "Okay." Oh, yeah, it's all like a, it's all an inside job. A little conspiracy of two. Oh, yeah. All right, okay, yeah, I guess that wouldn't work. Either that or somebody killed your husband in like a fit of of rage and then you made them your slave and then you have a killer in your house with you yeah maybe you put one of those big uh, yoke chains they were just talking about on them and it won't be so killy as long as you've got a safe word <laughs> uh should we talk a bit about the atlantic slave trade then yeah okay. all right that's uh, from africa to the u.s or africa yeah. to the caribbean or caribbean is it caribbean or caribbean pirates of the caribbean so that's the u.s way of saying it so the british probably call it caribbean <laughs> i just want to know what they call it the people who live there Probably They're the ones who get to decide. Carib. I yes. don't know. I just made that up. Uh, about 10 to 12 million black Africans were brought to the Americas. All right. How, That's 10 that to 12 million. I wonder what the population of Africa was in that era. Like, I wonder what the total yeah. population of the continent of Africa, like, what percentage of Africa was displaced as a result? That's a good question. Wow. Uh, I read a little article about Charlestown in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Settled in 1670. Englishmen from the West Indies were well acquainted with slavery and the huge profits they could reap from the toil of others. Like other European nations, England created the Royal African Company to underwrite the slave trade. A string of forts and slave factories were est- were established from the Cape Verde Islands to the Bight of Biafra. But the slave trade would likely not have been as successful were it not for the unholy alliance between the European nations and the African kingdoms on whose territories the forts stood. The English slave traders did their best to dupe the native kings, and each native king did his best to obtain the maximum amount of goods in exchange for the slaves he had for sale. The tribes that they made deals with would like yeah. really go to war with their enemy, with their rival tribes, yeah. and they would capture them and then give them to the Europeans. And so then 
you had a double bonus effect. You'd go to war with your rivals, and then their numbers would dwindle because you would ship them off to America. Yeah, and then, right? you, then you'd profit in gunpowder, uh, calorie makes, shells, which makes copper bars, kettles, alcohol. And, of course, that would make it easier to uh, enslave even more of your rival tribes. Mm-hmm. An unholy alliance, I think, is a great way to put it. In return, ships might load on anywhere from 200 to over 600 African slaves, stacking them like cordwood and allowing almost no breathing room. The crowding was so severe, the ventilation so bad, and the food so poor during the middle passage of between five weeks and three months that a loss of around 14 to 20 percent of their cargo cargo mm-hmm. was considered the normal price of doing business. Wow. This slave trade is thought to have transported at least 10 million and perhaps as many as 20 million Africans to the American shore. But they, they would, like, stop off in the Caribbean a bunch of times, too. Like, that's why there's so many people mm. of African descent amongst all the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And uh, for ideal slaves, which is to say tall, healthy male between the ages of 14 and 18, Carolina planters in the 18th century paid an average in today's money between 11000 and $23,000. Wow. So, so compared compare to $90 today. Yeah, that slave would have to work a lot to work off that kind of dough. Yeah. Like you'd basically, you'd have to amortize that over. A couple years. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, uh, that's a lot of cotton you got to pick. Well, yeah. not just cotton. There were also rice fields. And tobacco. In South Carolina. And uh, about while about one out of every three slave children on the cotton plantations died before reaching the age of 16, nearly two out of every three African-American children on rice plantations died under 16-year-olds. Uh, why is rice farming so deadly? Because it's so wet. Is that why? Maybe, maybe the, the rice plantation owners were just bigger dicks. <laughs> ankle and even mid-leg deep in water which there floats in oozy mud and exposed all the while to burning sun which makes go. the very air they breathe hotter and uh, hotter than the human blood these poor wretches then are in a furnace of stinking putrid effluvia malaria and enteric diseases killed off the low country slaves at rates which are today almost unbelievable so yeah and over one third of slave children died before their first birthday yeah, I mean malnutrition, yeah. malaria, sure. infants' yeah. feebleness because the uh, the mother's own chronic malaria and their general mm. exhaustion from rice cultivation during pregnancy. That makes sense. So that's what a terrible horrible. time in human history. <laughs> awesome. Yay, cheerful. slavery. But then, but then, in a topsy turvy turnabout, British slaves on the Barbary coast. Mm-hmm. The fishermen and coastal dwellers of 17th century Britain lived in terror of being kidnapped by Barbary corsairs. Pirates from the Barbary coast of North Africa, authorized by their governments to attack the shipping of Christian countries and sold into slavery in North Africa. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of thousands across Europe met wretched deaths on the Barbary coast in this way. Well, that makes it okay then, as long as it's even. <laughs> even oh, it's not even. even. It's not yeah. even. I think it was like 10% yeah, well, yeah. of the I mean, amount of yeah. the Atlantic slave trade. Okay, I also wasn't no, serious. Not even that. Like 1%. <laughs> I was also in no way at all saying that that made things okay. Or that even if it was even, would it be? How about what would happen to some of the slaves? Uh, we saw this when we watched Amistad together, uh, when they thought that uh, they might get caught by a, a British ship trying to enforce the... the right, the, at the, the point when in Britain it was, illegal, it was illegal, the slave trade was illegal, but not in America. So they sent out their navy to try and catch these slave runners yeah. because the, the, the punishment for being a slaver was so severe and because they didn't give a damn about you know the lives human of life, the, yeah. those human lives, they would, if they thought they were going to get caught, they would start throwing a couple of slaves overboard uh, along with a large weight at the end. Mm -hmm. And they were all chained together. So they'd fall into the water and go down. And then the weight of them would pull the rest from the chain just overboard. And they'd throw 20, 40, 50 over at a time in that way. And they would just get the ones further down the chain knew it was coming and could do nothing. And this was a common occurrence. That that is certainly the most haunting scene in the entire movie. Terrible. Yeah. There were around 35,000 European Christian slaves held throughout the late 1500s and early 1600s on the Barbary Coast, many in various Moroccan towns, but mostly in Algiers, and mostly sailors taken with their ships, though some were fishermen and coastal villagers. Uh, most of them were actually from Spain and Italy, though. Yeah, well, of course, if you're some, coming from North Africa, you don't want to. You don't need to go so far to get some slaves. Yeah. I mean, it's cold, it's cold up there. Sometimes yeah, taken by the thousands by slavers who raided the coasts of Valencia, Andalusia, Calabria, and Sicily wow. so often that eventually it was said that there was no one left to capture any longer. Oh wow! For the 250 years between 1530 and 1780, the number of slaves could easily have been as high as 1,250,000. Only a tenth of the Africans. Uh, taken as slaves to the Americas from 1500 to 1800. Most would end their days as slaves in North Africa dying of starvation, disease, and maltreatment. 
Uh, slaves in Barbary fell into two broad categories. The public slaves belonged to the ruling pasha, who by right of rulership could claim an eighth of all Christians captured by the corsairs. They were mostly used to row the corsair galleys in the pursuit of loot and more slaves, worked so strenuous that thousands died or went mad while chained to the oar. Very Spartacus and Ben-Hur. Mm-hmm. Spartacus was a slave. And so was led Ben-Hur. A, led a slave uprising. But Judah Ben-Hur actually was chained to an oar in a galley. As they aged or their owners' fortunes changed, slaves were resold often repeatedly. The most unlucky ended up stuck and forgotten out in the desert or in the Turkish sultan's galleys, where some slaves rode for decades without ever setting foot on shore. That would suck. Especially if you got seasick. Are you guys ready for a quiz? Okay. The abolition timeline quiz. All right. Okay, lay it on me. I will give you what happened, and you give me the year. And I'm actually going to go... Oldest. Oldest. The most ancient. The most ancient. Uh-huh. To the most recent. Oh, all right. Okay. Now, are we using Price is Right rules that if you go over, you're automatically disqualified? No, let's not do it. Just, just proximity? Yeah, proximity. Okay, okay. Right Slavery abolished in Iceland. Uh, 1000 BC? Slavery abolished in Iceland? I'm going to say uh, 1400. The year 1117. Oh, you were closer. No, he said oh, no. BC. Oh, okay. I'm way off. <laughs> I thought he said 1000. All right, so everything from this point forward will be after, after 1,117. <laughs> yeah. The Icelanders are really forward thinkers. Ah. Good job. Way to go, Bjork. So Louis X, who has the same last name as Malcolm 10, <laughs> king of France, publishes a decree proclaiming that France signifies freedom and that any slave setting foot on the French ground should be freed. All right, it's after 1,100. Uh, Louis, I know, I know the era of Louis the Fourteenth. <laughs> so I'm gonna go. Do the math. With, uh, I'm gonna go with thirteen twenty-five. I'm gonna say fourteen hundred again. Thirteen fifteen. Oh, good one. So close. Woohoo! I know my French aristocracy. <laughs> <laughs> Slavery abolished in Providence plantations. Providence, like Providence, Rhode Island. Yes. Uh, fifteen thirty. The the Puritans kept the slaves for a little while. Miles Standish didn't even die to like 1560, so I'm going to go with like 1585. 1652. It was a lot later. They, they, they were around yeah. for like 100 years before yeah. they abolished slavery. All right, let's go to Canada. All right. Our home and native land. Or Canada as I... Not our native land per se, but... Canada as I prefer to our pronounce home. it. Upper Canada <laughs> abolishes import of slaves by Act Against Slavery, AAS. So they passed an act banning slavery in Upper Canada. Do you know what Upper Canada is? Um, Quebec. Do you know what Lower Canada is? Ontario. Oh, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Uh, so did, they, Canada, did they turn the map sideways? Yeah, they kind of did. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Upper Canada abolished it in, I'm going to go 1715. Uh, 1722. 1793. Oh. Still closer. Lower Canada, same deal, abolishes imported slaves by act against slavery. I'm going to go 1795 because <laughs> they're like, uh-oh, we better get on this. Uh, 1810. 1803. So 10 years later. Oh, you're up by seven. I'm up by eight. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're even again. Okay. United States. This is an easy one for our American listeners. <laughs> United States abolishes slavery with the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution. About 40,000 remaining slaves are affected. The Emancipation Proclamation? When was that? Why are you chair dancing? Because I said Emancipation Proclamation. Because it rhymes. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's your turn to go first, I think, Joe. <laughs> 1865. No, no, it's like 1859. He got on the nose. 1865. Bam! No, the Civil War ended in 65, didn't it? 1865. 13th the, Amendment. The, the, the Civil War was like 1860 to 1865. Are you disputing the piece of paper here? Right. The Emancipation Proclamation is something different, Kev. There, see you go. Uh, That's why I was chair dancing and not answering your question. One says, we're going to free slaves. They have a civil war, and then the civil war ends, and they free slaves. Yeah, okay, 1862 is the Emancipation Proclamation. So I, the, the actual You didn't amendment. understand the question. Well, no, I thought the Emancipation Proclamation was the name given to the amendment, but it's in fact just saying, we're going to do this, and you're talking about what they actually did. And the, the civil war ended in 1865. Do you want me to chair dance again? I think the chair dancing just confused me. Confused All right, last dancing. one. Right. Mauritania abolishes slavery. Mauritania being a country in North Africa. I'm going to go 1986. 1963. 1981. Oh, woohoo! Were they the last? They were the last ones? Yeah, that's the last on the list. So uh, I think we, we ended so up tied there. So it's, I think we did. So now it's officially illegal everywhere. Slavery is illegal everywhere. So the only people who do it finally, thank goodness, are bad people. Mm-hmm. It really sucked when good people were doing it. <laughs> yeah, when it was man, legal, man. it wasn't yeah. bad. 
Should we go quickly through the world, country by country? Like today in 2011. Yeah, let's talk modern trafficking. Modern trafficking. Where Now, is this where most slaves are, are held or where they're from? Just kind of what's going on there. Okay. Ghana in Africa, mm-hmm. shrine slavery persists despite being illegal. Young virgin girls are given as slaves in traditional shrines and are used sexually by the priests oh. in addition to providing free labor for the shrine. Oh. The, I mean, the, it's bad enough when it's like you have to work for me, but... Then you're a sex slave on top then, of it. Yeah, with a priest. And then there's cocoa production. Up to 12,000 of the 200,000 children working in Ivory Coast, the world's biggest producer of cocoa, uh, may be victims of human trafficking or slavery. Most of the attention on the subject is focused on West Africa, which collectively supplies nearly 80% of the world's cocoa. Uh, and uh, Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast, in particular, which supplies half of the world's cocoa. of children under age 15 in sub-Saharan Africa are child laborers, mostly in agricultural activities like cocoa farming. Wait a minute. Cocoa farming, which is what they use to make chocolate. Yes. The major chocolate producers such as Nestle buy cocoa at commodities exchanges where Ivorian cocoa is mixed with other cocoa. Wow. N-E-S-T-L-E-S makes the very best. Slavery. Now I want to stop eating chocolate. 2001 report, yeah. A Taste of Slavery, How Your Chocolate May Be Tainted, claimed that traffickers promise paid work, housing, and education to children who are forced to labor and undergo severe abuse, that some children are held forcibly on farms and work up to 100 hours per week, and that attempted escapees are beaten. Whatever happened to child labor only being applied to industries where you actually needed like their tiny hands and their like little bodies, like chimney sweeping and, and working <laughs> in factories with incredibly small tools? Yeah, come on, world. Yeah. Can't we get back to that? That's far more reasonable. Well, you know, I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's reasonable or not reasonable, but it's like I guess you're just snapping up free labor wherever you can find it. That's kids, why it's only ninety bucks. You're like, the kids listen, are weak. They can't fight back. They can't farm on the cocoa farm because their weak backs and their tiny hands nearly as well as an adult would. That's why I can get them for ninety bucks. Well, the good news, Joe, is you don't have to give up chocolate. You just have to buy fair trade chocolate. Oh, okay. Along with your coffee. What if your uh, chocolate provider, uh, your ethical chocolate provider, is a liar and they're unethical yeah. and then they just say they're ethical when, in fact, they're not? Well, there's a spe- very specific logo you have to look for, actually. I'm sorry. I'm still really disturbed by that. The, 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 cocoa. the cocoa thing and the yeah, I'm slavery. Not a big, and I'm not a big fan of chocolate to begin with, so I, I, I think I'm all good. Like, I want to just start asking, you know, Purdy's and Nestle and like, hey, do you guys... Avoid this? What? How do I know that I'm getting How it? could they possibly, when 80% of the world's cocoa is produced in the Th- Ivory Coast? You say 30% of children under age 15 in sub-Saharan Africa oh. are child laborers. 80% of the world's cocoa comes from West Africa. All right, so well, 80% of the world's cocoa. And half of it comes from the Ivory Coast. This is the kind of thing that, that governments start to need using their armies for. Not just protecting their oil interests? Yeah, I know, crazy. you gotta no. protect. you got to protect the... Uh, I'm pretty sure oil is for, <laughs> or armies are for oil interests and nothing else. Well, we need a chocolate army. <laughs> There's a script in here. Mm-hmm. A team of rugged, chocolate tough addicts. chocolate addicts find out about this and form their own commando strike, strike squad to go to the Ivory Coast and just start taking out slavers and freeing the children. And I've, Easter bunnies. No, no, I've got the title of it. It's, they dress up as Easter bunnies. No, it's Inglorious Chocolate Bastards. <laughs> and it is a, a, yeah. a little team going to Ivory Coast. To take out slavers and claim all the and make all the chocolate in the world ethical. They drew first fudge. <laughs> they drew first fudge. Uh, child camel jockeys. That's oh. very racist. No, they're literally jockeys on camels. Oh. Before 2005, children as young as four were trafficked from countries such as Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Sudan for use as jockeys in the Persian Gulf states' camel racing industry. While official policies are in place requiring a minimum weight of 100 pounds of the jockey, these restrictions are ignored by most of the racing industry. Camel racing kind of sounds like it might be a fun thing to do for a kid. Yeah. So you'd think you'd have volunteers. You don't think you'd need to enslave people to race camels. I think much like the actual work of an athlete is involved in working hard when you're not playing the actual game in front of the crowd, Uh uh, it's much the same with being a slave. That It's probably fun to still race that camel. The shitty slavey part is all that other parts when you're not on the camel and they just chain you up and cart you around and feed you very little. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it it seems to me that the owner of the camel could just get his kid to do it. And the camel jockeys are deliberately starved to prevent weight gain. Ooh, they're like like, uh, Middle Eastern geisha. Seriously injured by camels, uh, live in camps encircled with barbed wire near the racetracks, and often sexually and physically abused. 
So, I had no idea. Well, I mean, it says here before 2005, so it seems to have died down, if not been completely. Maybe because they all just came to the realization that racing camels are stupid. Yeah, maybe there's no Because they're ungainly looking. Racing horses. I think a camel cooler. race would be as, as fun as a horse race, I guess. It's not like my thing, but. The report is that in many instances, the children rescued were those who had been sold away by their parents in exchange for money or a job abroad. Yeah. If they were returned, the children would again be sold for the same purposes. Other children did not speak their native languages or did not know how to live outside the camel farms. That makes sense. You can always make another kid, right? <laughs> yeah. So, child camel jockey, not as fun as it sounds. So it doesn't seem as bad anymore that uh, my friend has their kid, you know, fish up their uh, maximum fishing skill in World of Warcraft for them. It's all relative. But let's end this half on a positive note. A, a positive note about slavery? Somali mom. Have you heard of this uh, person? No. Somali mom? Somali mom. M-A-M. Ma'am. Ma'am. Somali ma'am. In the mid-1970s, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge terrorized Cambodia and drove thousands of people into the countryside. During that time, Somali mom's parents left her. She was 10 years old. Orphaned, mom lived in the forest until a, a man picked her up and promised to find her father. She became his indentured servant or slave. Mom was instructed to call him grandfather because it's a sign of respect to the elderly. Mom was abused by her grandfather until she was 14 when she was sold to a brothel and forced into prostitution. She was forced to marry a stranger. Her husband was a fighter in the Khmer Rouge. This is totally the feel-good story of the year so far. <laughs> You're right. It is a positive. Yeah, the way to end on a positive note there, Torn. Wait, I'm not finished. All right. Mom experienced violent beatings from her husband. She had five or six clients per day. When mom wouldn't have sex with a client, she would be taken to a cellar and forced to stay with snakes and scorpions. It's sure brightening up. Mom was sucking. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. Smiley mom will mom. be beaten. <laughs> that ended kind of weirdly there. Mom would be subsequently tortured and raped. She would also prostitute herself on the streets. Uh, she saw her best friend shot by a pimp. Any more songs to add in there? In 1993, <laughs> now it's starting to brighten up. <laughs> Good God. Finally. When did this start? When was she? In the 70s. This has been going on for 20 years. An aid worker from France found mom and helped her escape Cambodia. After mom escaped the brothels, she went to Paris and was shocked to find that many girls were trapped into sexual slavery. In 1996, she went back to Cambodia, pretended to be a nurse, and handed out condoms to women in the brothels and educated them about HIV AIDS. She founded AFESIP, AFSIP. That's French, but the, the English version is acting for women in distressing situations or AUDS, a Cambodian non-governmental organization dedicated to rescuing, housing, and rehabilitating women and children in Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam who have been sexually exploited. The organization also works with law enforcement to raid the brothels. Tipsters. In 2007, she created the Somali Mam Foundation, a nonprofit organization formed in the USA that supports anti-trafficking groups and helps women who have who had been in the sex trafficking business. She has saved over four thousand women from sexual slavery. Uh, slavery, four thousand right. people. Okay. The uh, Somali Mom Foundation has a website at somali.org, s o m a l y dot org, and there is a donate link up there. And I'm going to put a link on our website.
in the news. Florida, July 2010. U.S. Department of Justice indicted three people for holding over 50 farm workers in northern Aluccia County, Florida. The Haitians were brought in on agricultural guest work visas, promised three years' work and good pay. Upon arrival, their employers confiscated their passports and visas. The workers were denied necessary medical care and suffered chronic hunger, weight loss, illness, and fatigue. If workers complained about the conditions, they were threatened with deportation, one of the females reportedly being raped. Since 1997, federal officials have produced seven Florida farm worker slavery convictions. Over 1,100 farm workers have been liberated from slavery in Florida's fields. What, is, did they say what the punishment is for this? Because honestly, it can't be too big. In my personal opinion, these guys should get the same kind of punishment as killers. How do you grow up being okay with owning slaves in the modern day in America? You what look, kind of failure of a parent did you have? You don't look upon the people that you're enslaving as people. That's the I only guess. way. That's the only way you can do it. I mean, you you got to be a sociopath. Or you obviously. could, or you could convince yourself that they deserved it. Yeah. You know. Well, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't be a slave because I'm. White I wouldn't and, be so stupid to come to America from Haiti. I'm white and was born into privilege. Yeah. I, it blows my mind. I'm interested in seeing how the story uh, progresses in the future to actually find out what happens to these uh, the criminal, Haitian criminals, slaves, and no, the. Well, the slave owners, too, yeah. What the punishment is. Yeah, like uh, Google alert that shit. Apparently needs to be stricter and it needs to be talked about more. Wow. Since 1997, 1,100 slaves have been liberated in Florida. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. If you pop quizzed us that, I wouldn't have even come close. Well, yeah. and the like I said before, the uh, the the figure estimated in America right now is 10,000 slaves. And 1,100 of them were in Florida. Hey, Florida. I guess, well, they're right in the Caribbean, right? So you got, like, easy access to incredibly impoverished people who want to come to America and do anything to make it happen. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget about the gators. <laughs> for, for disposing of uh, unruly slaves? No, just the, lest we forget the gators. Keep, just forget. keep them hemmed in. <laughs> gator wall. A gator moat. Pop culture? All Should right. we go on something a little more light and fluffy? <laughs> yes. Slavery. Yeah. Movies? Movies it's, about slavery. It's so much nicer <laughs> when it's just a movie. Although Amistad was not uh, proving that. That's a powerful movie. Amistad was uh, a great movie. It was, I, there was more courtroom drama than I thought there was going to be. I thought it was going to yeah, be like just a story. The courtroom about the legality of freeing these certain slaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's three court trials in the movie. Yeah. yeah, but through the flashbacks, you really get an amazing sense of what. And right. we talked about a lot of this stuff uh, in in the podcast about you know the cramped com conditions on the ship, about getting thrown off the side, and, right. and, and they read all the stuff in the documents, the ship logs, and so forth. And, and also they recreated from they, from the memories of the, yeah. of the slaves who were on trial. When I went in to see it, I really expected it to be just kind of this linear story of the slave trade, mm -hmm. following these slaves through this experience and blah blah blah. Oh, okay. And it was all, but it was a courtroom drama that told their story in flashback. And I don't know why, just kind of like, eh. I really loved it. I thought some great performances and uh, Matthew McConaughey, apparently a good actor. When he doesn't take his shirt off. Oh, yeah. He can be in a movie where he doesn't take his shirt off and still act. Yeah. Although I, I thought the same thing in. I um, thought I saw some jealousy in his eye in his scenes with uh, Jimon Hansu playing the, the main uh, <laughs> slave, uh, yeah. Cinco. Because he gets Cinque, to take his shirt off. Uh, who got to take his shirt off all the time. There's one scene where he had a shirt and actually in front of Matthew McConaughey walked away and ripped his shirt off and then started yelling at him. And I'm like, oh, look at Matthew McConaughey. He wants to rip his shirt off in response. Yeah, well, they have that can't. whole bit, right, where obviously you're the director sitting there going, oh, the savagery of the slave will be you know, easily symbolized whenever he tears his shirt off. Mm -hmm. shirt, his shirt is the civilized man who's trying to, who's trying to chain him up. A good change for McConaughey's character. He started off being a lawyer who just wanted the job to make the money. Yeah, to right? win the case. To win the case and to you know be able to make some money and get ahead. And his arguments at the beginning were all very much ignoring the humanity of the slaves mm -hmm. and just trying to argue on the, well, look, if they're property, then it works this way. And if they're not property, then it works this way. And we just have to deal with it that way. And the people, the, the, abolitionists, the abolitionists yeah. who were talking to him just couldn't understand his point of view on this like yeah. that he was treating them so callously not that he ever hurt them but just didn't think didn't of, relate to them didn't couldn't relate that's exactly yeah, right. didn't look at him and then later filter. on at the end his character had gone through this very definite very gradual change that i thought was really excellent and really well done by him of course this just shows you where our brains come from we're talking about this movie about slavery and all i'm talking about is the white guy 
I, I really like the fact that uh, there were no subtitles. Yeah. At the, like for the first 20 minutes of the movie, I would guess. Like it was yeah. all the Africans talking amongst each other and yelling at the Spaniards. Was it Spaniards? Yep, Spaniards. Uh, who were yelling back in Italian. Nobody understood. Spanish. Underst- Spanish uh, sure. <laughs> Whatever. It would be very surprising <laughs> if the Spanish were yelling at the slaves in Italian. Uh, and really you- to mock them because, of course, the, the slaves knew Spanish, but they just wanted to <laughs> screw with them. And you really got a sense of how frustrating it would be because you can't understand either of them just as right. the characters couldn't understand each other. Definitely did a good job of putting the audience in the shoes of the slave, yeah, which absolutely. was probably the purpose. Right. So excellent movie. Check that one out. Amistad. One of the, the biggest television events of all time, Roots. 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 You know, uh, With Jordy LaForge. Big time miniseries, uh, which was ranked in the, the annals of TV history as one of the highest rated miniseries of all time. Mm-hmm. How many episodes were there? Eight episodes, running time of 570 minutes. That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> that is a lot. I like Jordy LaForge as much as the next Star Trek nerd, but come on. <laughs> yeah, 1977. Sorry. With Ben Vereen and O.J. Simpson as well, and Louis Gossett Jr. And Leslie Uggams, who, are, who I was introduced to on The Muppet Show. <laughs> Leslie Uggams! Oh. Yay! So what about Taken? I haven't seen it, but... Uh... 2008 American action thriller film starring Liam Neeson, Famke Janssen, and Maggie Grace. I think it was European, actually, in origin, because it opened in Europe like a year before it opened here in North America. So uh, nobody's seen it then? No, no, I saw it. Oh, it, you did? It's outstanding. It's an action movie. Liam Neeson's daughter goes is going to go backpacking in Europe with her friend, and they get kidnapped. By Albanian slave traders? By Albanian slave traders. And it turns out that Liam Neeson is a uh, CIA black ops kind of guy, and uh, he's on the phone with his daughter as they're kidnapping her. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they pick up the phone, and he says, he tells them that I'm going to kill all of you and get my daughter back. And they're like, good luck with that. Right. Hang up on him. And then, and then he, he, he follows through. And is- he proceeds to fly to Europe and pretty much kill half of Europe. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of death and mayhem, and uh, it's incredibly entertaining. Does it go into much detail on the, the slavery? At, like on his journey, he's always going into these houses where they addict all these girls to drugs. Mm. And, you know, I think it, it tries to shine a light on this whole like human trafficking thing. So it, from that perspective, but I mean, the tail that wags this dog is Liam Neeson killing everybody that comes with right. him. Right. Again, it's just my privileged, you know, North American life. But whenever I see the, you know, the bad guy slave traders and they hook women and turn them into prostitutes and stuff, a major part of my brain just goes, that's just them setting up the bad guy. That doesn't really happen. Well, you know I mean, what I mean? Until we researched this episode, yeah. I always thought, come on, there's not evil people like that in the world doing that kind of thing. I don't know, like a kind of a gritty, real sort of take on this exact same sort of topic was Eastern Promises, the Cronenberg movie with uh, Viggo Mortensen. Right. There are several scenes in the brothel with all these Eastern European girls that have been smuggled to North America mm-hmm. and taken advantage of and addicted to drugs and all the rest of that stuff. Yeah, I, but I, the thing is that when I see that, I just think of that as fiction. I don't know. Because I, I can't, my privileged North American brain can't grasp how anybody could do that to anybody else. Yeah, I mean, there have been a bunch of documentaries that I've seen on this sort of topic. Oh, there's a ton. I just haven't seen them. So what I'm saying is, like, this has been very eye-opening to me. No, but the the documentary that came out just a couple years ago, the Canadian one, the the, the brothels in India. Born into brothels. That's right. They give these children of prostitutes Mm. who are... In India, and so they're they're below untouchables. They mm-hmm. are completely ignored by the, the the unofficial caste system and the whole nine yards. And she gives them all cameras and asks them to basically do anything they want with them, right. and then follows mm-hmm. this around. It's a power. and of course they're all wow. really young and they don't really understand what's going on. They just get like inspired by these artistic things, and it's really incredible. Hearing about this shit just makes most of the superhero comics I read really annoying. <laughs> Because, mm. you know, yeah, you're stopping a guy mugging somebody and taking their purse or, you know, saving that cat from the tree. There's slave trades going on, mm-hmm. Superman. Go deal with it. Well, and then there's like you take Africa, right, where you take the um, the child soldiers, right, who uh, yeah. get taken from different warring factions and they get press ganged into this army and they're not getting recompensed or anything like that. They're, they're slaves of a kind who are being forced to kill other people. Yeah. There's one thing to be forced into the, you know, the sex trade and, you know, victimized physically and addicted to drugs and all the rest of that stuff. Then, you know, by the same token, you've got all these young boys in Africa who are being forced to murder and pillage and do all these sorts of things. I mean, it's a, it man's inhumanity to man knows no bounds. Yeah. And, and nope. even if they get out, it's, 
messed them up so bad. And the, they might end up having kids. And then how messed up are their kids going to be? And how oh, many yeah, generations absolutely. is that going to take to get fixed? Uh, I got nothing else. I uh, remember the in the comic book The Sandman. There's the uh, character, the immortal Hob Gadling. To Hob Gadling? Hob Gadling. He makes a boast to his friends while he's in a Victorian or pre-Victorian public house in England that the secret to living forever is to just not dying. And the Sandman, for fun, grants that, that wish to him and meets him every hundred years to see how life is going and whether he wants to give it up or not. Um, but for a time, Hob Gadling actually is a slaver, and he meets up with the Sandman and describes it. No, it's easy. We make money and sell the cotton, pick up more slaves, go sell the slaves, pick up cotton, and just making tons of money, and my life is great. And then meets him 100 years later and is just full of guilt. He actually describes uh, what we talked about with the throwing uh, one of the chain slaves overboard and that pulling all the rest down. And uh, He lives the rest of his immortal life feeling guilty for how terrible he was. When you're talking about literature, I mean, outside of comic books, I mean, there's innumerable examples of stuff and really impactful stuff that people have written over time about the slave experience. I mean, you got Uncle Tom's Cabin, you got... Mm -hmm. Disney Song of the South? I was about to say, Disney Song of the South is exactly what I was going to say. That they refuse to re-release it, isn't that? They're basically disavowing it because it might be just a ditch racist. Yeah, it's pretty racist. Although it does have uh, Louis Armstrong in it. It's true enough. TV shows, I wanted to talk about Clone Wars. Let's get nerdy. All right. Yeah. Now, if you're a clone and you're created to be in this army, yep. can you just can you just not be in the army? I don't think they've touched on that. I would guess seeing as how the army was raised by Darth Sidious, the evil emperor, uh, no. Yeah. But now you're working for the Jedi, right? Yeah. I think that they were, when they made them, they made it so that they wouldn't want to be free. <laughs> like they manipulated their brains to want to do this. Yeah. And to listen. I mean, it, it's absolutely true, though, that there's something inherently wrong with the clone army in Clone Wars. Yeah. If all the clones uh, would only fight, then you have an issue with it being a slave race. But since uh, Boba is the same race as all the others, it just uh, they aging mention though They mention that Boba doesn't have some of the mental conditioning that the others do when they talk about him in the second one. When he talked about, because, because uh, Jango Fett requested a clone for himself, oh, right. which was Boba, yeah. um, but he specifically requested it without some of the mental conditioning. Ah. So that's... Yeah, so if they've been right. bred to fight and they're mentally preconditioned to fight. Right. Does that make them slaves? Does that make them slaves? Sort of. Well, it basically takes away their free will if you're just if, programming these humans like robots. Yeah. If it was 100%, I'd, I'd agree with you. But since there's I, one that does something I don't think, different. I, don't think, well, I think one exception actually proves the rule. Modern military, you know, use a, a degree of conditioning yeah. in your training purposes, whatever, but you would never call them slaves. Can the or would you? Can the clones in Clone well, I, Wars? I wouldn't. No, it's because I'm the only one at the table with military experience. <laughs> I think mine actually counts. Can they retire? That's really the question. Ah, do they good serve question. out? Do they serve out a period of, of fighting and then retire? And I don't think that they so do. That's a whole. Well, you other... don't see a whole lot of tens of thousands of Jango Fets just milling around. But right? let me tell you, as bad. So as... That's a whole other sequel that George Lucas could horribly mangle uh, the the yeah. legacy of the Clone Wars. What happens to all the clones afterwards? Oh, that's yeah. the original trilogy, right? Are they just stormtroopers? Yeah. yeah, I I don't buy that for one second. The stormtroopers are obviously just regular people, not not clones. Because they're all different. Well, are they all different heights though? Yeah. Yeah. This this is nerd. But you know, <laughs> as bad as uh, the slavery in Clone Wars is, uh, what's worse is how many episodes of that stupid effing show talk about trade negotiations and embargoes and political machinations. Well, why I don't watch that show. Don't forget about Princess Leah and her slave outfit. Slave Jabba Leah. When Jabba enslaves Leah. Yeah. And sexually assaults her with his Yeah, tongue. really, they sort of narrow the uh, slavery in Star Wars to Tatooine. Yeah, Tatooine is clearly the hub of slavery in uh, the Star Wars Empire. Is Alien Nation about slavery? No. No, not exactly. They're free. Uh, well, actually, they before they landed on Earth, they were slaves. Oh. Because they were slaves in the ship, and then they freed themselves and landed on Earth. Okay. And the same is true of District 9. Lester of Two Evils. <laughs> Apart from living your life as a slave, I would say probably coming across on a slave ship. Pretty brutal. Ooh, yeah. Stacked like cordwood and then uh, oh, oh, tossed overboard tossed on overboard. a long chain with a bunch of other slaves yeah. attached to you. Amistad style. So that versus guillotine decapitation? I automatically go to the guillotine. 
for the same reason that we talked about one of the other lesser two evils was piracy versus something else. And I, I went the not piracy because I do not want to work on a boat or be on a boat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I like the fresh sea air and you know, as long as it's not raining. And but you want to be thrown overboard? <laughs> let's take the trip on the boat out of the equation because before you get guillotined, you're going to spend a couple of months in the Bastille. In, yeah, and sure, that's, okay. And that's that's no fun either. Even so. Like the Bastille, not unlike a ship. <laughs> sure. And leaky and uh, <laughs> distasteful and stinky and but moldy. But being thrown overboard to die uh-huh. in the water uh-huh. on a chain uh-huh. versus just shink. Yeah, but then there's if they axed a bunch of other people in front of you and it's kind of dull now and it only takes your head off kind of halfway and you become Mike the, chi- well, the, the chicken. Is there any chance of me getting out of the chain? No. In the water? No, you're locked in. I'm guillotine. Well, you'll get out of the chain eventually when the chain rusts and rots off of yeah, your bone and the fish, ankle. Yeah, and the fish eat all the meat, all yeah. the meat off yeah. of your yeah, corpse. Yeah, exactly. Then you'll slip right out of there. You'd have to like cut your leg and lure a shark over to bite your leg manacle off. Oh, yeah. yeah. tricky. But there's probably not a lot That'd of That would be a pretty uh, amazing revenge. Tank. While you're being yeah. pulled down to the bottom of the ocean. While you're being pulled guillotine. down the Guillotine. Yeah. I choose guillotine. <laughs> I think I would actually go with the uh, the slave chain. It's kind of like dying in the cold, right? There's going to be a point in time where you just stop struggling and you just drift. Yeah. The, just the bad part is all the stuff right before that, though. Yeah. I, it, I'll tell you one thing. If I was going to do, be thrown over Amistad style, I don't want to be the first link in that chain. I don't want to be watching that yeah. chain. <laughs> 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 and like all these people in front of you <laughs> getting yanked off. Wait a minute. So you want to be first. You don't want to be oh, last. I want to be first. I right. want to be the guy. I want to be the guy right after the rock. The big rock and yeah. then him. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with guillotine. Yeah. As much as, you know, fresh sea air. The fresh sea air. (laughs) Ah, the fresh sea. When's the last time you were on a boat? I was on a boat like 10 times last summer. When I was quite young, I had very bad asthma. And anytime I would actually go to the ocean or go out on a boat, my breathing completely cleared up. It seems much more oxygen. Maybe that's just getting outside, fresh. period. No, cause, because I also had allergies to grass pollen. Uh, <laughs> so if I was outside and there was grass, my breathing would be uh, labored. Uh, but, but, when, but when I was out in, the, out in the ocean, it was great. You know, Joe, in ancient Sparta, they probably would have left you in an urn in a field or something to yeah. die. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because you were so frail. You were a sickly I, child. I was frail as a child. I'm not frail anymore, though. So look at what Thanks they would have. Thanks to all that red meat. They would have. They would have avoided having a pretty kick-ass web designer. <laughs> <laughs>